Desperate, helpless hands reach up to a broken sky. Tears shiver on cold skin, threatening to fall. Icy, limp, and alone, a soul craves for strength, for light, for trust. No one hears her muffled cries. All hope is lost. I'm with you, dear heart, whispers Christ's tender voice. His gentle, strong hands reach toward her shattered world. Tears slide down his beautiful face, revealing perfect love. Tenderly, a flame ignites her soul as heaven touches earth. Everlasting strength and light and trust prevail, for all hope is found in him alone. Well, hello, Heritage. Welcome. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving celebration. It's great to be with all of you. I want to greet our families at Bettendorf and QC West and those joining us online. And if you are a guest with us, I especially want to welcome you. Thanks for choosing to join us as we start our journey towards Christmas. We're actually launching a new sermon series today. We're calling it BC or Before Christmas, and it'll take us up through Christmas to the end of the year. Now, with that in mind, I understand that this time of year is a special time of year. For some people, you have a little bit of dread. It's a bit of a hard time. But for others, you've been anticipating this for months. You love the decorations. You love the music. You love the gift giving, the time with family and friends, time off from school and work. You love everything about it. And whether you're someone who is just excited about this season or someone who's struggling in this season, the reality is that Christmas is a special time because it is a season of hope. It's a season of hope, and many of us have hopes for this time of year. As people, we have hopes for different things. We have hopes for health. We have hopes for peace. We may have hopes for a particular gift, to receive a gift this Christmas. We may have hopes that the Bears will actually win a football game. You have hopes for forgiveness for making a joke about the bears in a sermon. (laughs) You have hopes for family. We, We have hopes for lots of different things. We use terms like, I hope so, when we're talking about our family and our kids and their well-being and success. We say, we hope not, when we're talking about health issues. We, we have hopes for a lot of different things. And in our hoping for those things, we may, some of us may acknowledge that God has some part to play in that reality. But we all have hopes for different things. It's natural. We have hopes for things even very, to the very end of our lives. It reminds me of the story of three men who were traveling together. They're on a plane, and the plane crashed, and they all died. Now they're outside of heaven, they're standing, getting ready to walk through those pearly gates, and they just started a conversation, just talking about what people might be saying at their funeral services. The first man said, you know what, I hope that people say he was a good man who did great things in this world and helped make people better. Second man said, I hope that they say he was a good husband, that I was a good father, and that I loved people well. And the third man said, after a bit of a pause, he says, I hope somebody standing around at my funeral says, hey, look, he's moving. (laughs) 
Look, we have hopes for lots of different things, but there is a difference between getting our hopes up for something and having hope. Getting our hopes up and having hope are two very different things. We, we may hope the Bears have a winning season, but that's more of a wish than a certainty. We may hope to have good health, but again, that's more of a desire than a reality. And we may hope for lots of different things in this life, but life is so unpredictable. Things can change. Things can be changed in a moment, so much so that our hopes can be dashed. But that's why it's so important to understand that having hopes for something is not the same as having, as having hope in something. In fact, one of the challenges of getting our hopes up for something is that there is always a level of uncertainty. It's really based in more of a desire or wish than a guarantee. But when we start talking about having our hope in something, well, that's a very different scenario. Because now we're not just talking about desire, we're talking about belief. And with that belief comes this unwavering confidence that we can have hope even amidst the most difficult circumstances. And that's what I want to talk about this weekend. I mentioned that this is the start of our Before Christmas series. This is also the start of the Advent season. Advent is the first of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. It's a time of hopeful expectancy. It's a time of preparation. But the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus. Adventus is the translation of the Greek word perusia, which literally means coming. And it refers to that first coming of Jesus back at that very first Christmas, but it also refers to the second coming of Jesus in the fact that he will return. And, and that is important when it comes to this true hope that we're talking about. Because as we already heard in the opening video, where it said all hope is in him alone. All hope is only in him. Now, another way to speak to that truth is to, to realize that true hope is found in him who is hope. True hope is found in him who is hope. He, Jesus came, he is coming again, but the reality is he is our hope now. He is our hope now, no matter what you're facing. In fact, it was in Matthew chapter 12, verse 21, that we can read these words. In his name, the nations will put their what? Hope. In his name, in him, they will put their hope. He not only can be Lord over what was and Lord over what is to come, he is Lord over what is now. What was and is and is to come. It was Paul in his first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, who wrote this. He said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Jesus is our hope. Genuine hope is not in circumstances. Genuine hope is not in outcomes. Genuine hope is in him who is hope. Genuine hope is in Jesus. And Jesus gives us access to God, and God is the one who facilitates life. Our hope is not in outcomes, but in Him who is hope. It's because He is hope that we can have hope no matter what we're facing, and that is huge. We can have hope. 
And when we have hope, man, it can pick us up when we're down. It can keep us going. We want to give up because life seems to be going nowhere or not going in a, the right direction. When we have hope, we have something to cling to when we lose our job, when we lose our health, or we lose someone we love. And when we have hope, then we know the best is yet to come in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our hope. He's the hope for forgiveness. He's the hope for reconciliation to God. He's the hope for eternal life. And all of that is awesome and super cool. But many times in this journey, we tend to forget that he is not only the hope for what was and what is to come, he is hope now. That when life goes sideways, when we experience setbacks, when success seems unlikely or situation just seems grim, that's when you and I can start to flounder and we can lose hope. Anybody ever been there? I'll tell you, I'm there in a few areas of my life right now where my hopes for something have just gone so sideways, they seem so much greater than what, my hope, what I have my hope in, that what we hope for doesn't work out. It just seems much, much bigger in life. But the deal is because he is hope, we can have hope no matter what the circumstances, no matter how what we have hoped for has turned out. He is hope, our hope. And if you find yourself today struggling to hold on to that hope, I want to invite you to lean in with me to God's word. Because no matter what you face, our God is trustworthy. Our God can be trusted. Our God can be trusted in any scenario, no matter what circumstance. Our God can be trusted because he is God. We can trust God. God can be trusted even when we can't predict the outcome. We can trust God even when we can't predict the what? The outcome. Listen, I want to take a moment to look at three wise men today. They're not the wise men or the unknown number of wise men or magi who brought three gifts. There are three other wise men from the Old Testament. Their names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These gentlemen demonstrated hope in what was seemingly hopeless situation. And they provide a clear picture of what it looks like to hope in and not just hope for especially amidst the pressures of the world around them. And what they can give for us is an opportunity to understand what true hope is. Because they understood something that many of us miss when it comes to what true hope is. So if you've got a Bible or a device, you can turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to land. If you just open it up to Psalms and you start cruising towards the back, you get to Ezekiel, it's the next book, you get to Hosea, you went too far. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. Now, you might know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah better by their Babylonian names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of an exile period. These were Hebrew Jewish men who, because of disobedience within the nation of God's people, their people were exiled. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came with a man named Daniel. And Daniel actually had a Babylonian name. His Babylonian name was Belteshazzar. But we know him mostly by his Hebrew name because it's easier to spell. And it's a great name to name kids after. But we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by their Babylonian names. 
And these guys were part of one of the exile periods. They're in Babylon. They're not in their homeland. They're, they're exiled in a place and in a world where there's poor leadership and people are striving for the wrong things and they're building idols. And it's in chapter 3 that we come across this guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar had this great idea to build this golden image 60 cubits high, about 90 feet high, 30 meters and what he did when he built that is he called his leaders together. He said, hey, look, people, whenever the music plays, I want everybody in the country to bow down and worship this idol. And if they don't, we're going to burn them. So the music plays and people bow down and nearly everybody, but at least three, did not. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, unfortunately or fortunately for them, don't know, the astrologers who worked for Nebuchadnezzar went and tattletailed told on them. Hey, king, these three guys didn't do it. King was mad, mad. Called them before him, and they said, look, he said, here's the instructions. Here's what I expect of you, that you will bow down and worship, and if you do not, you will burn. It's a pretty tense moment, but it's a moment where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego demonstrate true hope in, not just hope for, I want to take a look at it. This is Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, you can imagine this went over very well with King Nebuchadnezzar, and he was livid, honked. He was so mad that he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter, had those three men bound, had soldiers carry them in to throw them in. It was so hot, the soldiers died just dropping those three men into the furnace, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into that furnace. Now, it was just a few moments later that King Nebuchadnezzar leaps up, and he says, hold on a second. Didn't we put three people in there? Why, yes, king, we did. Well, I'm seeing four. And they're not only four, but they're walking around unbound and unharmed. And he's so shocked by this scenario, so moved by it, he calls to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, hey, you guys, come on out here. You got some explaining to do. Please come out. And when they do, they step out. And the, and the leaders in the king's court gathered around and inspected them and, and their clothes were not even singed. They didn't even smell like smoke and their hair wasn't burned. Their hair wasn't burned. <laughs> it was a miracle. And in that moment, the king's heart starts to change. And he starts to process what he just saw. And he processes how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived and what they hoped in, not just what they had maybe hoped for. And he responds. And I want to read that to you. This is the next part of Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. And then in verse 30, he says, this is what happens. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God can be trusted even when we can't predict the outcome. And that's a really cool story. But I want to just quickly unpack a few realities from this scenario, some, some basic truths. The first is this, that God seeks commitment first. Our God seeks commitment first. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to follow and obey God first. And when we commit to follow God, then he shows up. Then he shows up. It's in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 that say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on on your own understanding and all of your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. When we trust in him, we commit to him, then he shows up and influences things around us and in us. And if you want to have the hope of God's intervention in your life, if you want to see his work in your life, you have to first commit. And then you have to be willing to be public about it. To choose to trust and then choose to obey is first. It's salvation. It's surrendering to Jesus Christ. It's finding forgiveness from sins. It's entering into the promise of eternal life and then beginning to walk with God. That's how we start a journey moving from spiritual death to spiritual life. And if you've never done that, if you've never surrendered to Jesus, you've never found forgiveness from sin, entered to the, into the hope of eternal life, and begun to walk with God, I want you to know you can today, right where you're at, by simply having a conversation with Jesus. Because the first thing to see God show up and to be able to hope in Him is to commit first. The second thing I see in this scenario is that God doesn't always remove difficulty. He doesn't always remove difficulty. He did not spare Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the experience. They had to go through some difficult things. They they were ratted out. They were called before the king. They were threatened. They were mocked. They had to once again choose to obey and stand firm in their conviction to honor God. They were tied up. They watched the soldiers around them die. And then they had to go into the furnace. God doesn't always remove difficulty in our journey. We may have to go through certain experiences as part of the process. We should not expect to skip difficulty. Jesus didn't. Yet, I think we can get frustrated with God because of our experiences. That he didn't do this or he did do that. That he did not spare us from this or that. And if our hope is tied to circumstances then we lose hope because we never really had true hope to begin with. God doesn't always remove us or spare us the difficulty. Third thing I see is that God shows up in the middle of our circumstances. He shows up. He shows up in our trials. He shows up in our difficulties. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he showed up. And he will do the same for us. He will do it either to rescue or to sustain He will either do it to remove us from the difficulty or empower us to remain in it. But he always shows up when we remain submitted to him. But I think sometimes, too often, we try to tell tell God what to do. We too often we try to we give up because of circumstances. We lose hope because our hope was in the outcomes for something rather than in the God who can deliver. There is a stark difference between the two. 
And in many ways, we need to be more like Job. Job was a guy who suffered much, endured great hardship, had a ton of outcomes and circumstances that were horrible. But in chapter 13, he says this. He says, though he slay me, yet I will what? Hope in him. You know, whatever you're facing, the opportunity is to choose to hope in him because he shows up in those circumstances. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, they could have given up. They could have. They had plenty of opportunities to do that. Just think about it. They, they were exiled from their homeland. They were stripped of their culture. They were stripped of their identity, renamed. God allowed the exile. He allowed the decree that said, bow or burn. They were caught doing what was right. They did what was right, but they got caught. They got in trouble for it. He didn't hide them from that. He didn't protect them from that. He allowed them to get caught. They saw the soldiers die. They were bound. They were tied and dropped into a furnace. But they didn't give up. Because their hope was not for something. Their hope was in something. Their hope was in God, not circumstances. Fourth thing I see in this story is that God wants to impact us through others. He wants to impact us through others. Hope is contagious, my friends. It's influential. There's two things that impacted the king. One was the miracle of God's power at work in rescuing those three men. The second thing was the hope demonstrated by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in God. That influenced the king. Our hope impacts others. And God may be looking to use our faithfulness in difficult circumstances to reach others just like he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how he changed the heart of a king. And that leads to the fifth thing I see in this story, that God rewards those who hope and trust in him. Our God rewards those who hope and trust in him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not only saved, they were promoted. They were promoted. And God always honors obedience in this life or the next. It may not be in the way we want or in the timing we want, but he honors obedience always. And you and I, we may want to be free. I think that maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego maybe possibly wanted their reward to be freedom. But God had work for them to do in exile. And as we look at our own scenarios and the things we're looking at, we may want to be freed. We may want to be released from a burden a difficulty removed. But God may be asking us to step out in faith and hope so that he can impact others through us and bring glory to himself. I see those five realities playing out in this story. And we wouldn't see the same result had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego cowered in fear or wavered in their commitment or looked at their circumstances to define their hope. In fact, for me, the defining moment of this entire thing comes in verse 18. When after saying, you know what? God is able to deliver. But then they say, but even if he does not. But even if he does not. He is able, he can, he might. But even if he does not. My friends, there are very few more hopeful statements than that. Statements that reflect hoping in him, not just hoping for circumstances. 
But even if he does not, true hope is not in outcomes, but in him who is hope. He's the one we put our hope in. And circumstances become secondary. When we trust in hope like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we may be led into situations, difficult situations, situations that seem dire or maybe even awful. We may have to go into the fire. We may not be spared from entering it. But remember, God can be trusted even when we can't predict the outcome. And ultimately, He wants to work in and through us for His glory. So I wonder if you can think of a current, but even if He doesn't, scenario in your life today. What if He doesn't protect you from that bad thing? What if He doesn't heal? What if He doesn't intervene? What if He doesn't? What will you do? Is your hope for something? Is your hope in something? In the one who is hope? You may not be facing a literal fiery furnace or the opportunity to defy a king and not bow down. But there are things in this world that seek our submission. Fear, insecurity, our pride, our past, greed, ourselves. There are things in this world that seek our submission, that want us to bow. And I wonder where you are tempted to bow today. Or perhaps where you're already bowing. If to this point you have chosen not to bow and you've stood in opposition to a king, whether that's a cultural reality, a social reality, or just something in the world, then I want to ask you, what are you standing on as you stand? Are you standing on yourself or are you standing on Jesus? The answer to that question determines the outcome. What is the but even if he doesn't scenario in your life this Advent season? What will you do even if he doesn't? See, true hope is, is not based in uncertainty or wishful thinking. True hope is rooted in assurance. It's marked by expectation and anticipation, not desire. It's defined by what will be, not what might be. It's defined by what is, not what isn't. And it's defined by him who is hope, Jesus. No matter what you face, no matter what scenario you are in, hope is found in him alone. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had this experience before the first advent, before the first coming of Jesus Messiah. They didn't have the knowledge of what we know, but yet they still hoped in the Lord. And you and I have an even greater understanding of the assurance we have that Jesus has come and he will come again. And so we are positioned to live with expectancy in that, a true hope in him. This world is a tough place to live, man. It's, it's a hard place to, to even have, to maintain hope, let alone to live with this abounding hope. 
But the deal is, Jesus has come and he is coming again. The good news that he lived and died and rose again, that good news and through that death and resurrection, we can have life. That good news that we call the gospel. And the gospel gives mankind hope in this world. The good news of Jesus gives mankind hope in this world. And hope even today. Well, so what? What do we do at this beginning of the Advent season with this understanding of what the difference between hoping for and hoping in? Well, I just want to give the opportunity for us to choose three things. For all of us to choose three things. The first is to choose the next over the now. To choose the next over the now. To, to look at what is eternal rather than what is temporal. To choose to honor God rather than save ourselves. To look at him rather than us. It's choosing the next over the now. And that, having that priority when it comes to job decisions, family decisions, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we invest our talents, choosing the next over the now. In fact, it's in Hebrews chapter 11, we can read these words. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Certain of what we do not see. That's the next. And the opportunity for us is to choose to live for the next, to live for what is unseen, to have hope rooted in faith. And that leads us into the second choice, to choose faith over fear, to intentionally choose faith over fear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to do that. They had no idea they were going to be rescued. They knew God could, but they said, but even if he doesn't, even if you throw us in there bound up and tied and we die, we still choose faith over fear. And we have the chance to do the same, not to compromise. We all face crossroad decisions. We have pressures and obstacles and things that ask us to bow, but we can choose to trust and believe. Faith and hope are, are closely connected. Choose faith over fear. Simply say, I believe you, God. I choose to believe you. But even if you don't, I still choose to believe you. So choose the next over the now. Choose faith over fear. And last, thirdly, choose hope. Choose hope. Look, the deal is Jesus died so that you and I can have abundant life, a life full of hope and expectancy. He is always with you. When the enemy tries to steal your joy, kill your hope, you can choose joy. You can choose to have hope. Not just get your hopes up for something, but choose to have hope in him who is hope. When we set apart Jesus as Lord and Savior, we can have hope. That's why Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 3. He said, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When we set aside Jesus as Lord and Savior, we can have hope. Jesus is our hope. He has come and he is coming again. And we can choose hope because he is that very hope. Whatever you're facing today, Maybe it's a family drama, relationship issue, financial trouble, health problems. God can be trusted even when you can't predict the outcome. Don't compromise. Claim his promise. Live expectantly. Choosing faith over fear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have had a totally different experience had they compromised. 
And if you have struggled here, if you have failed in the area of hope before, you can still choose differently now. Don't let a sense of failure inhibit your courage to step into new obedience, new faith, new trust, new hope. Choose the next over the now. Choose faith over fear and choose hope. I want to leave us with a question. It's a question that we can just kind of marinate on in our quiet time with the Lord this week. But it's simply this, where is your hope this Advent season? Where is your hope this Advent season? Is it in outcomes and circumstances? Or is it in Him who is hope? Whether you're hoping for time to be with family and friends, hope to receive a gift, hope to experience something special, whatever your hopes are for, Christmas provides a platform to us to have hope in. Hope in a lasting hope. Not in people and not in circumstances, not in outcomes, but Him who is very, that very hope. It's a time of celebration and it's a time of waiting because He has come and He is coming again. And the truth is, He may even come back before we have to endure further hardship. But even if He does not, even if he does not, we have an opportunity to risk for God, to choose faith over fear, to choose the next over the now, and to choose hope, to live in that hope above the outcomes, no matter what you face. Our God is able to deliver. But even if he does not, what will you choose? Where will your hope be this Christmas season? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that even in the midst of a world marked by hardship and difficulty, you are more than able to not only sustain, not only rescue, not only empower, but you can remove us from those places where we struggle, where we hurt, where we question. But even if you do not, Lord, I pray that we as a people would choose hope, to hope in you, choosing faith over fear, choosing what is to come, not just the experience we have in front of us now. I pray, Father, we would be just as faithful as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to, to stand amidst the pressures of the world, to stand amidst the difficulties and against the threats and the fear and the hardship so that you can bring glory to yourself. Our desire, God, is to honor you with every part of who we are. And I pray as we approach Christmas that we would be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For those who walk with you would be ready to say, my hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. And for those who may be here today, God, that have yet to place their hope in you, may you speak to them in these moments and may you call them to yourself and may they find new life in your son, Jesus Christ, the one who is our hope. I love you, Father. I thank you for the chance to spend some time in your word unpacking the difference between hoping for and hoping in. And may we be a people who day in and day out choose to hope in your son Jesus for your glory and your glory alone. I love you and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.